I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hi, I'm Kirsty, and this is the Art of Decluttering podcast, and welcome to our Christmas series. To give Amy and I a much-needed break after this incredible year, we are spending the next five Mondays replaying some of our favorite famous guest interviews for your listening pleasure. This week, we are replaying our chat with the amazing Peter Walsh of Oprah fame. His recent Aussie show Space Invaders is into its second season of production and will be on our screens again soon. In this episode, we can hear his heart for decluttering and how important it is to deeply understand people and yourself. We glean from his wisdom what changes happen in people's heads, hearts and homes when they do the deep work of decluttering. And as always, there's so much more wisdom, gold and love in this episode that we hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Art of Decluttering. I am Kirsty Ferugia. And I'm Amy Ravel. And today we have a super special guest who is a huge leader in our professional organizing industry and a hero to us. You might know him from his days starring on the Oprah show, or if you're Australian, from the living room. You might even have one or several of his books sitting on your bedside table. We have the pleasure of Peter Walsh joining us all the way from the US via quarantine hotel in Sydney. Welcome, 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 Peter. Oh my God, that is the most ridiculous introduction I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Thank that you. guy sounds amazing, doesn't he? <laughs> it's a very over-the-top introduction. Hero, I mean, for God's sake. Oh, no, you are. I mean, no, you no. are. Oh, okay. You, it's lovely no. to be here. Thank you. And um, given that I'm I'm locked down at a hotel in Sydney and losing my mind. This could go horribly awry at any moment, but it is lovely to be here. Thank you, guys. Um, thrilled to be here, and thank you for having me on the on the top decluttering and organising podcast in the universe. So, <laughs> great to Pleasure. be here. Yeah. I said to my um, 12-year-old just before, I said, I'm interviewing someone from the US that was absolutely fundamental in me becoming a professional organizer he wanted to know if it was the rock (laughs) (laughs) you you tell was it your son or your daughter my son you tell your son he's one of the smartest guys i've ever heard of and you should tell him no it's nowhere near the rock although i do have biceps that are pretty much the same size Pretty sure that's the only u.s person he knows from like voiceovers in cartoons and and why not Peter, we're going to start with a question about you being a trailblazer in our industry. You really laid the groundwork for many of professional organisers and for us. How did you begin your career? Like what did the professional organising industry look like in Australia back then? You know, it's, it's an interesting question. Um, 
and I came to professional organizing in a very weird way and a very um, unconventional way. Um, I, I was never a professional organizer in Australia. I, um, I moved to the United States in 1994 um, after a career here in Australia as a teacher. I worked um, for the National Heart Foundation as an education director. I worked for the Alcohol and Drug Foundation um, as an education director. And so I had a career here in education, in drug abuse prevention, in health promotion. I worked for the Victorian Health Promotion Foundation. So I had, um, and I also worked in, in corporate training, in, um, in um, interpersonal skills training at the corporate level. So I tell you this because um, when I came to professional organizing, it was with a whole range of skills that were very much about interpersonal skills training, about risk reduction. Um, and when I was in the United States, I went there to work in the area of corporate training and organizational change in corporations. And um, I, I was working in that area. I then worked for the dot-coms in the very early days, in the early 2000s for dot-coms. Um, I was there when they crashed and burned. Um, at a, I was working at a, um, a managerial level. And then in very LA style, um, I was asked to audition for a television show for the Discovery Channel. Um, and as you will not notice, but people in the United States notice, I have an accent in America. <laughs> and an accent in America is a very um, noteworthy commodity. And um, I auditioned for this program as a professional organizer um, and I got the job and I didn't have a great deal of um, a great deal of experience organizing at the residential level, but I had worked at the corporate level in organizing um, and they're really professional organizers weren't widely known, you know, in the domestic domain mm. um, and I was invited to audition for a television show called Clean Sweep, which was the first organizing show on American television. Mm -hmm. And I got this job and they really didn't quite know exactly what the show would look like. And so suddenly all of these skills in education, in corporate training, in interpersonal skills training, in risk reduction, in health promotion, suddenly all came together in a very unexpected way to play in helping people to declutter and organize their home. But I was really not so interested in the, in the organizing of a closet or in the color coding of, of clothing as I was in what was going on behind the scenes. Yes. And the very, very show we did, and I think it illustrates what suddenly changed the direction of the, of the program I was doing. The very first show I did was a family, um, a young couple who had two boys, they were 15 and 17. And the show was about the parents had in the master bedroom, every single piece of baby clothing that those two boys had owned, had, had worn, sorry, including you know, the cots, the bassinets, the toys. Oh. And the, the, the purpose of the show, we went in and the idea of the show, the brief, was to build storage units in the garage, cupboards and so on, 
that all of that baby clothing could be stored in. And I thought that Madness. was exactly, I thought that was totally insane, but that was the brief of the show, the very first episode. So we took all of the clothing out of the master bedroom and the very first question I asked the mother as we started to sort through these clothes was, let me ask you a question. Are your best memories with your boys in front of you or behind you? Are your best memories with your boys in front of you or behind you? And she started sobbing and stood up and ran away from me. <laughs> and I, not having a huge amount of experience in TV, just said to the cameraman and the sound guy, let's chase her. <laughs> so we jumped up and ran after her down the street and I started to chat with her and it turned out that she had always wanted another child. Mm -hmm. yep. And when she looked at those clothes, she saw her greatest value as a woman, as a mother, as a caregiver represented in those clothes. And so this is where my concept of memory clutter came from, that when everyone else looked at those clothes, they represented old, useless, no longer kind of valuable clothing that kids hadn't worn for 15 years. But when she looked at them, she saw an absolutely iconic representation of her value as a woman, as a mother and a caregiver. And as we chatted, it turned out that there was another woman in the street who was adopting children from China, babies from China. And I asked her, would she be happy with those clothes given, being given new life and new love by being given to another mother? And in a second, she said, yes. And suddenly we didn't have to build any new storage units and yeah. all of those clothes passed to someone else. And suddenly, instead of this being a show about simply storing people's stuff, it became a show about what our stuff represents and why it is we struggle with letting go of stuff. So that, that show then and that concept about what our stuff means became iconic Yes. In that very first organising show. And I think also became iconic in a way for the organising industry. Um, and so um, I kind of fell into it in a way and feel very lucky to have been, you know, that's now 17 years ago. Um, and at, I remember at the time you'd say I'm a professional organiser and people would look at you like, you know, I'm a zebra without stripes. <laughs> yes. And now you say I'm a professional organiser and people say, I oh, like Marie Kondo. Um, and, you know, times have changed dramatically. Um, yeah. And I don't know what the industry was like in Australia 17 years ago, but certainly in the United States 17 years ago, people didn't know what a professional organiser mm. was. And that show really, I think, sparked it and it's grown since then. So how do you feel now when people think about professional organisers from an Instagram perspective and they think that we are there to make the house look pretty and not, yeah, I'm glad you're rolling your eyes because that's how uh, Amy and I feel too. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think, I think it's tough because I think that, um, 
you know, pe people, we live in a world of images. We live in a world of, you know, impressions. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's cyclical because, you know, for a long time people thought, um, you know, professional organisers were glorified cleaners, Yes. you know, and why would you pay, you know, why would you pay a professional organiser, you know, X amount of money to come in. So the thing about Instagram is that we live, we live in an era of image and kind of instant gratification. And, and the thing is with, it, it's cyclical, you know, with professional organisers, we went through the stage and I think we're still largely in it where we're viewed as glorified cleaners. You know, why mm. should you pay a premium when essentially you're coming in to clean my house? You know, I should pay you the same as I pay a cleaner. Um, you know, what's the value you're bringing? And, yeah. and with Instagram, um, I mean, Instagram's not even real. I mean, the images aren't real. Um, <laughs> they're just not. No, yeah. um, none of it's real. Um, and that's the frustrating thing. So, um, and, and professional organisers aren't providing the service that you see in the images that are posted on Instagram. Um, and I think, you know, but Instagram's essentially a marketing tool. So the question is, you know, what is it that we are marketing? And are the people who are marketing themselves on Instagram providing the service that professional organisers supposedly market? You know, it's the same as, you know, weight loss clinics. Are they, are the service they're providing the service that Instagram is showing? Mm. Probably not. Definitely. I think, Peter, too, that the benchmark um, has been shifted a little bit. I think the benchmark used to be certainly in the people that would contact us. It's like, you're going to make the house pretty or are you just going to make me chuck all the stuff out? But once we talk to them and say, actually, that stuff will happen, but it's what happens in your heart and what happens in your head that will make the difference in your home. And as you said before, like we say to clients, don't be surprised when you cry during a session. And if they're thinking we're coming in like a cleaner, they're like, how? But when we come in and say the clutter that you have, is that because, you know, your marriage didn't turn out like you expected or you didn't have the job you wanted or financially things haven't been settled for you, like that stuff, I think when we change the benchmark to helping them in their head and in their heart, it really changes where people are aiming for and then they don't expect, oh, I just want it into the perfect house. Yeah, you know, I think that perfection is one of the biggest and most dangerous things that people are striving for, you know, and it's, it's, it's the interest, one of the, you know, one of the, the really interesting things at the moment that, that, are, that is really occupying a lot of my thinking is trying to wade through some of the, like, I'm not a religious person at all, like not even remotely. But, it, you know, it's interesting the use of the word um, covet, you know, in, mm. in, in biblical terms, you know, in some of the, 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 the Ten Commandments, you know, thou shalt not covet thy neighbour's goods. Um, you know, comparison is the death of happiness. Comparison yes. is the death of happiness. And, and I it, think, brother. Uh, yeah, and I think that, that you know, Comparison is one of the one of the biggest problems in people's acquisition of stuff. You know, they look at, and, and it's it's one of the tools of advertising. You know, what what you have is good, 
But if you just buy this thing, it's mm-hmm. great. So it's that constant um, yearning to get the next best thing. And if you just buy the right thing, you can acquire the life that you want. And it's fascinating that that is what is really being taught in that one of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. That it's actually an incredibly old statement all the way back to the Ten Commandments, which is really saying happiness is, you know, comparison is the death of happiness. That's what Mm. it's saying when you break it down and analyze it. And it's, it's, you know, I've always thought the Ten Commandments were kind of an antiquated, weird kind of, you know, Judeo-Christian construct. And, and here it is, I'm looking back at them and saying, wow, there really is some mm. deep-seated wisdom there. Um, and Peter, can I ask you on that, why do you think we're not quick learners? Why do you think, even though intrinsically we know that buying bigger, better, more doesn't make us happy, we keep going back to it? What, what do you think's going on there? Because, because the alternative is to look deep within ourselves and to analyse what's going on. Because the alternative is to ask ourselves questions that once we answer, we have to act on. That's, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the alternative. And that's, you know, that, that once, you, once you admit that, that you're chasing, chasing the next thing, you have to ask yourself, why am I chasing that? And the moment you answer that, you have to admit that you're yearning for something better. And the Mm. moment you answer that question, you have to do something about the answer, which is probably there's something lacking in my life. And the moment you answer that question, it could well be my relationship, my self-esteem, my... My, my value as a person, like, you know, what I think of myself and therefore projects on what I think other people think of me. And once you answer that, the question is, what are you going to do about it? Mm. And it's much easier instead to say, I'll go and buy that couch because it'll make me happy than to, <laughs> an, than, to, than to answer the question, well, you know, what am I going to do to build my self-esteem or to, you know, to change who I am as a person or to work on, on building, you know, building who I am to get myself to a better place. Mm. You know, the, the, the short term, the short term gratification is much easier to achieve than the longer term work to change something fundamental in me. I think that's why, I mean, you know, all of us, none of us want to admit, none of us want to admit that, that there's something flawed or fractured in us. And, you know, I think that's why, you know, that's why social media, that's why, you know, all of us gravitate to, you know, the, the falsity, the veneer of the veneer of, of kind of success that social media gives us. And, and yet we yep. still pick up our phones and gravitate to it rather than spend time in silence or reflection because the alternative is, is too tough to face. We um, have an online course that we just started last night. Um, This live round is started last night. And the first, one of the first principles that we talk about is your value is inherent in who you are. 
and there's nothing that you can buy and nothing that you can get rid of that changes who you are as a human being that is loved and um, is worthy of love and is you can do nothing and you can take nothing away from it and that's what I love about what you're saying is that that's what we teach as well is that we are made in a wonderful and amazing way and we can't um you can't you we need, all need to learn that and accept that and realize that and that can be a really great starting point to build that life that, and yeah. the freedom that you're dreaming of yeah it's, it's interesting you know um you know, it, it comes back to fundamental value, I think, you know, which is in another way exactly what you're talking about. And, you know, I'm often, I'm often asked about, you know, where do I place fundamental value? Because, you know, I ask, you know, I ask people to look at, you know, what it is they value and to make choices about the stuff they own, the stuff they want to hold on to. And, um, you know, often people will push me on that, particularly in interviews, you know, about, um, you know, when, when it gets to its ultimate, you know, its ultimate conclusion or ultimate end point, you know, what do you believe? You know, and in some ways, if you push beyond stuff to self value and then beyond that to kind of a cosmic, I don't know, you know, we're I'm kind of way out here beyond even what you're asking in a way, you know, cosmic value. Yeah. You know, do you believe in a God even, you know, what's our, and, you know, I, I don't believe in a God, you know, I, I don't believe in life after death. I don't believe in any of that stuff. Um, <clears throat> but what I do believe in is that, you know, we come into existence with only two things. And those two things I think are very obvious. And one is love and one is the ability to reason. I mean, they're the only two things, the only two capacities that we have naturally as humans, the capacity to love and the capacity to reason. And I believe that somehow, <clears throat> somewhere we'll be judged on those two things. Judging is a weird word yeah. and doesn't really apply. So the question is, do you love unconditionally? I think that's the criteria we'll, we'll rise or fall on. And then reason, you know, do you reason honestly without prejudice and without judgment? I think they're the two, like, I think that's what, that's what it all comes down to. And then, you know, when it comes to the, you know, the choices you make, you know, do you, do you love things that you have around you based on, based on beauty and based on kind of a, you know, a fundamental value in your life and reason, you know, do you hold on to things because they support the fundamental values that you choose to have? Um, and, you know, I think it's, it all comes down to that. Um, you know, one of the, when I was probably 14 years old, before I even knew what professional organising was, we had to study Schindler's List in English at school. Uh -huh. And I really only remember one scene. And it was um, when someone that was, I can't even remember the character, it was someone that was rich and important and had been effectively paying for the freedom for the Jewish people. And he looks down at his hand and sees a ring and the thought that, whether he says it out loud or he thinks it is, oh, my goodness, I've kept a ring, but that could have bought freedom for people. Mm -hmm. And that, above everything else I learned at school, stuck with me. And then I think as we go into professional organising, 
that it is that intrinsic value that we want people to understand, but also you're not going to look back at the end of your life and think, oh, I just wish I bought that couch, holiday oh. house, yacht, watch, any of that. You're going to look back and think, oh, the people, that's yeah. the thing that's going to be important. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You know, it's not about, it's not about the, the quantity of stuff. It's about the quality of relationships. I mean, I think that's, it's, it's a simple equation and I think that's what it comes down to. And, you know, I see all the time that, that people suddenly, it's, it's, I think it's very much part of my job that people chase, you know, the quantity of stuff rather than the quality of relationships. And I think the other thing that people get caught up into, and I, I talk about this frequently, is a conundrum that I pose as the, as the product and the promise, that people buy products, but what they're really doing is investing in the promise. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you know, they'll buy a treadmill, for example. It's a, you know, it's a <laughs> classic example. That's the product they're buying. But the promise they're investing is that somehow if it is in their house, it will <laughs> automatically generate fitness for them, you know, and, it and looks not a clothes dryer. How damn you for, for, for taking my punchline. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you're, you know, you're exactly right. You know, it, too it, many. Yeah, you know, it, exactly. We've all seen them. It looks yeah, great yeah. as a clothes horse in the bedroom. Yep. You know, you invest, you invest in, you know, the pair of skinny jeans because that's the product, but the promise you're actually investing in is that, somehow that you'll magically lose weight and be able to fit into them and you'll look sexy and attractive. And so mm. that's why there are, you know, 10 pairs, 10 sets of clothes in someone's closet still with the tags on them. And so we go in as professional organizers, we go into people's homes and they're full of products. But the bigger problem is that you open a closet or a kitchen or you know, name the room. Mm-hmm. And the real thing that's going on is that all of those promises are scattered through the home and, you know, are piled in people's psyches in a way that is mm. way more damaging than, than the products that are cluttered in closets or in kitchen cupboards or in bedrooms. And we have to first unravel the promises. Otherwise, once we once we drag the products out of the homes, the promises are still in there cluttering and they will be like magnets just attracting more products back into the Mm. homes. But when they actually do that deep work and realise what the promise they're searching for and sometimes let that go, the things just fly out the door, don't they? Then all of a sudden the the stuff means nothing. Absolutely. Once you can see, once you can help people to see the promise the false promise that they have mm-hmm. been chasing. Um, and again, to go back to that religious analogy, which again, I completely refute and yet I find myself attracted <laughs> to. You're talking you know, to two Christians, so you're fine. You know, but, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's the false idol thing. Yeah. Yes. You know, which again, I absolutely refute and yet I'm in, <laughs> in admiration of the symbolism of it, you know, that you shouldn't worship false idols here it is again yeah. that this, you know, the, the analogy there and, and the ancient wisdom there is just gobsmacking mm-hmm. um, that that's what they're talking about, that the moment you put your faith into a false idol, 
which is exactly what we're talking about, the promise mm. in a thing. That's right. The promise is the idol, not the thing. Thank you. That yeah. That's exactly what's going on. And so you yeah. have to get the false idol out of the way before you can actually hope to deal with what is really going on. And, and I find, you know, I'd love to actually write, here I am now saying I want to write another book. <laughs> I told um, you when it happened, Peter. <laughs> uh, but do you see that to, to be able to deal with that ancient symbolism that we yeah. find through all cultures and all religions, but we dismiss because of either our own religious beliefs mm. or because we fail to think enough or dig deeply mm. enough because we're all so shallow. Yeah. Um, but that ancient wisdom holds lessons for all of us. Amy, it's nearly Christmas. I feel like it was Christmas just yesterday, Kirst. 2020 has just blown my mind in terms of the speed of time. Have you started setting up Christmas yet? No, no. I can't. I'm, I've got my head in the sand as far as Christmas is concerned. I haven't <laughs> even started thinking about it, buying presents or doing anything to do with Christmas. Surely I agree. It is only March 2020, although I do not want to repeat it this year. No. So I don't want to go <laughs> yeah, back through it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but What's... you don't have to be done, dear listeners. I know. We are really excited. Our 12 Days of Christmas Declutter Challenge is back again for 2020. And if there's ever a year that you need a Christmas Declutter Challenge to kickstart you into the Christmas season, this is the year. It's an awesome course. This is the fourth year, I think, that we're running it. Um, Kirst, tell us what the listeners get when they join. You get like 24 videos, don't you? Let mm-hmm. me get this right. 24 videos, 12 for with Amy, and she goes through different parts of your house and different items that you can declutter, and then 12 are with me, and they're more Christmas-orientated. So not only do you get to declutter in preparation, your house in preparation for Christmas, you also get to think about Christmas. So it's exciting, and there's yes. loads of bonuses. There's Christmas wish lists and all these lots and lots of things um, all in this really cute little package called the 12 Days of Christmas Declutter Challenge. And if you want to buy it as a gift for yourself, it's super inexpensive. It's just $27 and you get lifetime access to the course. In fact, someone came into our 2 million party the other day and said that the 12 Days of Christmas Declutter Challenge was the thing that started her on a journey to decluttering and has changed her life. After that was pretty incredible for a $27 course. Um, you can do it at your own pace, which is awesome. The hacks in there for Christmas are just brilliant. You're absolutely going to love it. So, Kirst, where do they go? So head on over to our website, theartofdecluttering.com.au slash Christmas, and you can sign up to the course there. We can't wait to hear how you go decluttering this Christmas. Come and join us. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Completely the same without you. I love the ancient um, Hebrew wisdoms, particularly when it comes to relationships with stuff. Yeah. I I can't get enough of it. Yeah, yeah. Peter, I remember um, reading the. I'm sure it was the first edition of Let It Go. I borrowed it from my local library, mm-hmm. and I devoured it probably in like 24 hours. And mm-hmm. that was the first time I went, oh, I could do this because I. I'm naturally organised, but I didn't just want to show people how to label a box. Like that wasn't my heart. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of opened this world of transformation and freedom. Kes, you've actually just started reading the second edition, haven't you? I have. And I'm also devouring it. And I'm like (laughs) going, wow, we didn't even realise that we were Peter Walsh's daughters. Easy, easy. <laughs> we speak the same language as yeah. you, and I Look, didn't realise just how much we spoke your language without. Look, it's, it, the thing meaning. is, it's 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 not ninety percent common sense. You know, yeah. it really, you know. And I, I joke to people, you know, I, I taught kindergarten for a while, and I mean, most so much of it is just, it's just, you know, what you yeah. teach kids in kindergarten. I mean, yeah. I, I don't, I, I, I don't, I honestly do not. Think, to be de- pejorative, but but just so much of it is just kind of basic. It's, it's you know, people- not complex. It's simple, but it's not. I in the same breath, it's not necessarily easy for people. Absolutely which is why not. there's Absol- those of us that yeah. coach. It's absolutely not simple. You know, people say to me, you know, how do I make sure that that once I once I get organised, stuff doesn't come back? And I say to people, it's the, I'll tell you the simplest thing. There are two mantras you need. One. Don't put it down, put it away. <laughs> Simplest thing in the world. Don't put it down, put it, Well, it can't be that easy. Try it. And then the Peter, second. I ha- before you share the second, yeah. hold, hold that thought, put a pin yeah. in it, because yeah. we have to tell you our mantra is don't put it down, put it away. Yeah. So much so that our community have started writing don't put it down, put it away songs and sending them to us. So our community have heard them many times. So at the end of this interview... We're going to play some of them for you because... I should, be, I should be getting a commission on these, by the way. Well, so somebody, so we we went to our course community and told yes. them that you were coming and yes. to ask us some questions, like what questions, if they could sit down oh, and have a cup yeah. of tea with you, what yes. question would they ask? And one, was, one of them was, is he the originator of that saying or did he get it from somebody else? No, that's mine. That's mine. Okay. We are now giving you full credit for oh, okay. it full credit. our community think that it's us. <laughs> Those <laughs> of them who aren't I, your avid followers actually now think that it's us. You can so have we it. came up with it. <laughs> you can have it. It's okay. It's okay. Um, the second thing is no more later. That's the second thing. Stop, Just do it now. Stop Just using the now. word later. I'll put it down later. Yep. I'll wash it later. I'll yeah. fold it later. I'll, you know, no, if you stop using, oh, it can't be that hard. Try it. Stop it really using the word simple. later. Those, if you do those two things, the moment you start using the word later, you invite clutter back into your house. And so neither of those yeah. things 
is is um you know is is that difficult to say but oh my god they're really difficult to implement and and you'll catch yourself and i've got people who say to me damn you you know you know i was about to put dishes i was about to put dishes in the sink and i thought oh Yes, we have people say, we have you in our heads now. Yep, people say that to me too. And I even think it to myself, like (laughs) the other night I was at home and I was going to bed and there were some dishes in the sink and I was like, oh, I'll I'll do them tomorrow. It's like, oh, God, I've got to do them now. (laughs) I'm a man of integrity. I better do it. I'm a little little nutty sometimes. So what the hell? I love it. I think you're going to really enjoy these songs. One of them's even an animated children's version. No, of I've been try- I've been working on someone. I've been a couple of friends. In fact, as recently as yesterday morning, I should. I, I actually have it right here. Um, I, I, one of my closest friends in um, in the United States. Um, I don't. I won't. I don't need to find the actual text. But she sent me a long text message. She said, "I've, I've been working on it for some time. I should write a children's book about." Um, about organizing and about keeping your stuff organized. Yes. So that might come out of this too. I've been trying yeah. to convince my husband to write a decluttering children's book with me for probably eight, yeah. nine years because he's an illustrator. Oh, okay. Um, and I've been trying and he's too busy doing all these other things that he likes doing. So I will, you do it, I'll let you do it, and then I'll just push it for you okay, over in Australia. Deal. <laughs> So we have many budding professional organisers who listen to us Uh um, and lots of professional organisers as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But what advice would you give to a budding professional organiser about starting in this industry? Find another job. (laughs) (laughs) It looks much more glorious than it actually is, doesn't it? It's not an easy, (laughs) it's a very, very difficult thing to get into. I mean, it's, look, um, I, my advice would be um, start, don't think that you can just jump into it and um, it's an easy thing to do because it's not. Um, look, I've been, very, I've been very lucky and I'm not typical. I'm extremely atypical because I, I've been able, I jumped in at the TV level. Um, I became mm. very well known very quickly and, and that the, the celebrity... Um, gave me a huge step up. And then I was on Oprah, which is like being touched by the golden wand. Um, and you just, you How know, did that was, happen? How did um, that happen? I, I was doing this show in the United States called Clean Sweep, which I'm not sure was ever shown on Australian TV. Um, it became one of the most popular shows on cable in the States. Um, it was a really fun, um, mm. uh, uh, fun, great show. Um, on on Discovery on the Learning Network the Learning Channel in the States, um, one of Oprah's producers really liked the show and invited me on to do a small segment on the Oprah show. Mm-hmm. And that small segment um, went it just went really well. Um, and the small segment kind of um, blossomed when we're shooting the segment. It, it's a, it's a kind of an involved story, but the segment kind of without any warning blossomed into something much bigger as we were shooting it. Mm. And um, I was offered a, a contract on the Oprah show, much to my surprise. Um, and I ended up getting a five year contract on the Oprah show. And 
it you you just can't imagine it was just overnight everything went totally crazy um mm. and it was fun and super enjoyable and um yeah it was great i loved it and she's so lovely and we had a great time and that um yeah it was just as you said that's atypical though isn't it oh. like kirstie and i like we've done morning yeah. sunrise yeah. <laughs> but that's about it we've done <laughs> lots of a current affair too we yeah. have done lots so, of um, so you know, it's 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 just that um you know the goal the goal of anyone in the United States who has any degree of, you know, specialty, whether it's a chef or a designer or anything else, they hire publicists. And the one goal, you know, at the time of the Oprah show was to get me on the Oprah show. That was a goal of anyone. Whereas I was invited on the Oprah show and suddenly had a five year contract. So, you know, um, it was completely, completely unheard of. And so, um, Mm -hmm. I, I suddenly I had a, you know, an, I already had a book contract through the, the TV show. So it was all, I'm not typical. Um, so my advice yep. to people wanting to get into the business is start at part-time. Don't give up your day job. Start at part-time. Find a good local professional organiser um, and, you know, ask to, them to mentor you Um asked to work with them pro bono, you know, so that you can get some, mm. some skills and advice. Um, do, do some, some basic courses in communication skills, in active listening. Um, um, you know, enroll yourself in professional organizer bodies so that you can, you know, connect with other organizers in the area, get some decent courses under your belt, online courses and so on speak to as many people as you can do information interviews with um, other professional organizers and kind of related, uh, related Mm. um, kind of professions and um, start with family and friends, you know, and um, if you don't know what don't, you know, don't jump into areas that you don't know what you're doing. um, Great advice. You're not. Yeah. Know your limits, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, people are fragile and don't mess in areas that, you know, you're out of your depth. Yes. And and the thing is you can be a professional organizer and just do basic helping people organize their garages. So get a niche, you know, for example, you know, go to Home Depot, sorry, go to Bunnings. Sorry. Very American. (laughs) Very American. We've got plenty of American listeners, listeners. You know, so go, it gets so confusing go, when we talk Australian. Go to, you know, go to a, um, go to a local, you know, home improvement store, Bunnings, Home Depot, Lowe's, depending on where you live, and look at all the garage organising stuff, for example, or look at all the laundry organising stuff and get that niche and then offer your yeah. services to, do, to be a laundry organiser and just do laundries and don't worry about all the psychological stuff and all the, mm-hmm. you know, if that's, if that's what you'd like to do, if you're a bit of a handyman or a handywoman, start there rather than looking at, you know, what you see on TV, the stuff that, that I might do, which is 17 years of experience helping people deal, yeah. <clears throat> you know, with the, the psychic impact of too much stuff and dealing with, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, 
the impact that stuff has after, you know, abuse or neglect or, or, you know, all of those other things that, that, that come into play mm. once you start dealing with people's stuff. That's right. Lots of people get into it thinking they're going to organise a pantry and put pretty labels on, but very quickly you realise you're actually dealing with people affected by yeah. trauma and so many complicating things, but they, you know, like we're there to help in that yeah, area so you, as well. So you don't have to get this, there's different levels you can get into. So, you know, maybe it is, you know, if you just want to get into mm. organising kitchen cabinets, you can do that yes. without getting up into that, that higher, more detailed level. But, you know, maybe choose a niche and start there, but get some experience with a professional organiser and see what you'd like to do. Great advice. Yeah. What, um, I, w- I really want to know what yes. goes why on. Are you whis- why are you whispering? This makes me When a questioner starts whispering a question, I get extremely nervous. <laughs> I'm nervous too because okay, I don't know where, what she's going to say. Where are we going? What's the question? <laughs> We know that your heart for people is that deep, long-lasting change. So can you tell us what happens behind the scenes of some of the TV shows that you've been involved in? Like, uh, do you have a team of professional organisers that come in alongside you? What's a real go? Um, yes and no. Um, generally, generally on TV shows, what happens is that there is, it, it varies a little bit. Um, there is always a team that helped me get the stuff out of a room. So for example, just to declutter a space, there is mm-hmm. always a, um, a team that helped with that because it's always yep. so much stuff and I could never do that by myself. And whether that's on, you know, the Rachel Ray show or one of the other TV shows in the United States or on the living room here, the shows you've seen helping with that, there's always someone to help with getting it out and sorting that. Um, there is always a team to help set that up in, in a hall or in a front yard, wherever that is. Um, um, here in, here in, in Australia, there is an amazing professional organiser who works with me, Sarah Cotton. Sarah, Sarah. Friend Sarah. we love Sarah. Who is just the best, is the ant's pants. Um, she, yeah, she's, she's fantastic amazing. and has always worked with me on the living room. I love her to death. Um, and so, so she always helps me in kind of the sorting and so on. Um, but I'm always there for all of that, that kind of intensive work with the couple. Mm. I'm very lucky, um, in the United States, that's not the case. I don't have a backup person like Sarah in the United States, another professional organizer that, that doesn't happen there. Um, and in the United States, it's always me with the what we'd call the load in, which is, to, there's, sorry, there's always a team to help with the, the re I'm not a decorator. I'm not an interior designer. So there's always a team that helps with the setup of the rooms and mm-hmm. all that stuff. I always have input into that in terms of helping in terms of how the room looks and, it, yeah, and in function. terms of the choice of the organizing choices um, and kind of the mechanics of all that, the boxes or bins or whatever that we use in that space in the United States, that's much more me. And I always kind of do the load in, in the United States, not so much here. I'm very lucky to have Sarah who, and the team who largely do that side of it here. I have a lot of input into the choices and there's, Mm. we're much better staffed here. So there's a designer and Sarah 
Sarah, the professional organiser who handle much more of that on this side, and I could not do the job here without uh, without someone like a professional organiser. One of the things that we've focused on a lot during the podcast, and, and we see a lot of our clients who have mental health, um, we call them interruptions, but have lots of mental health diagnoses, and having a decluttered and organised home has that flow-on effect that is truly transformational. We always say, you know, don't think that just by decluttering you can get off your meds or stop seeing your psych. How have you seen the mental health side of helping people to really experience that freedom play out? Um, I think it's extremely important that, that professional organisers don't dabble in the mental health area. Um, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't have training in the mental health area. And um, I'm extremely careful to make that very, very clear. And I think, um, I think professional organisers have to be extremely careful not to start dabbling in areas they don't have training in. Um, the comparison I give to the role that we play is like in olden times when grandma used to sit on the porch in her rocking chair and gave advice that was no bull when people asked her a question. That's the kind of people yeah. we should be. Um, we don't mince words. If, if people ask us a straight question, we should give a straight answer but in a trusting, non-judgmental, mm. usually loving way. Uh, <laughs> I think that's... <laughs> loving but yes, truthful, yeah. I like um, that. And I think that, that I have seen... Um, I, I have seen amazing improvements in people's mood and um, immediately in terms of yeah. um, the outcome once a home has been decluttered and organised. I'll just give you a couple of examples. Um, a, a very generic anecdotal example is that um, in 17 years, I've decluttered many, many homes where children, small children particularly, are involved. And in every single case, without exception, where I have decluttered a home, a room, where small children are involved, after that room has been decluttered and organised and those small children come back into the space, they begin to dance without exception. Yeah. And I believe that's because instinctively there is something in children, in their innocence, that they can see and feel that that open space um, provides them with an opportunity, um, uh, provides an opportunity for things to flow into that space um, and you might think this is oogie boogie, and I don't care if you do. Um, no, because we see yeah. it as well, Peter. I love um, it. And um, I, think, I think as adults, we've become hardened and cynical to that. Um, but I think there's something really beautiful and simple and honest there. Um, I've also decluttered spaces that are overwhelmed with stuff in homes where there are autistic children and I've seen amazing changes in the behaviour of autistic children where spaces are decluttered and simplified. And I have not had, I've, I mean, I've been trained as an educator. I've got a, an M.Ed. in Ed Psych. Um, and I have seen once a space is simplified that the behaviour and mood of autistic children has, has altered perceptively. And I believe that's because there are, less competing um, visual cues for the autistic child in that space, that the, 
the visual cues and distractions have been dramatically simplified. And I think mm -hmm. that helps the autistic child dramatically. And I've seen that many, many times. Um, mm. I think there's also a, there's a mounting body of evidence um, from the medical community that um, a, um, a cluttered, disorganized, messy space particularly for women, causes a massive spike in cortisol, the hormone cortisol, and um, that causes massive problems in terms of sleep, in terms of uh, eating disorders, in terms of heart problems. Um, Adrenal fatigue. Yeah, it's all of those things. Um, and so, you know, anecdotally, there was always a problem with that, um, we always saw there was uh, a problem with clutter and mood, but we could never ever nail that in terms of um, empirical evidence. But, but increasingly the science is backing up. You know, I, I wrote a book 15 years ago called Does This Clutter Make My Butt Look Fat? Um, based on the anecdotal evidence, but I didn't have any science to support it. And that's why I wrote um, a book whose title I now forget. Lose the clutter, lose the weight. Much. Lose the clutter, lose the weight. That, you know, used a, um, 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 a control group and was based entirely on the science. Uh, absolutely mm. backs up that, that anecdotal evidence. So, you know, there's a ton of anecdotal evidence. There's a ton of in situ evidence based on, on you know, all of the, the, the work over 17 years. And now there's a huge amount of mounting scientific evidence that supports mm. the fact. And without exception, when you help people declutter a space, they say, oh, my God, I feel lighter. I feel like a weight has been lifted from my shoulders. Mm -hmm. So the same line every time, time isn't every it? single time. If people are interested in um, learning more about decluttering and autism, scroll back through our feed. We've got an episode where we interviewed Jess oh. from Autism Treehouse in Queensland. So just scroll back through and you can dive a bit deeper oh, into that. Oh, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear you interviewed someone on that. I'll check that out myself. Thank yeah. you. We're, we try very hard not to speak on issues we don't know much about. <laughs> So we, we um, love interviewing people that have way more experience in different fields. There's, a, um, there's a, one person you should really chat to who's very interesting is Dr. David Tolan. If you're interested in, um, in hoarding behaviour, David has written a book called um, Buried in Treasures, yeah. Buried in um, Treasures, which is an yeah. awesome reference book if anyone is dealing with particularly someone in their family or friend and they want mm -hmm. to look at a, a real... Um, guidebook on how to approach them and how to deal with it. Buried in Treasures, Dr. David Tolan is a great reference. Excellent. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, I think maybe we also mentioned that in the episode where we interview Angela and Wendy, um, who specialise in hoarding disorder. So we'll put that in the show Good. notes as well. Kirsty's madly writing because Kirsty does the Good. show notes. Mm -hmm. She's madly writing yeah. down notes. <laughs> Peter, if people want to follow you on social, where is the best place um, to At the find moment, you? The I'm on Instagram. I'm on, I have a YouTube channel. Uh, you can easily check that out. And Facebook is kind of the place I'm contributing to most at the moment. And that's very easy, yep. www.facebook.com slash Peter Walsh. Check me out there. And, and I Peter, answer, oh, oh, by the way, I also answer all my own emails. And that's very easy. Just to my website, peterwalshdesign.com. Yes. 
I've had quite a few little back and forths with you over the years. I think I sent you a copy of my book many, I don't know how long ago, four or five, four, I don't know, a while was ago. Was I polite? But I was, was quite, I a, you were very wow. polite. Yes, you even told me that you read it. So that face tells me, of course, you did. It was great. <laughs> I love the bit with the di- I love the bit with the dinosaurs. That was so interesting. Uh, yes, yes. Where- <laughs> I love it. And the bit I didn't expect the butler to have done it though. That was such a twist. I know it was that so was weird. Twist. Those yeah. quotes yeah. from that Aussie guy living yes. in LA, which you know, great. amazing. Great plot. Loved it. <laughs> Peter, it has been such a joy and honour yeah. to our show. We know that our listeners are going to be beside themselves drop this um, loved so it thank you it was my pleasure absolutely my pleasure loved it you guys wish you great success and both personally and business-wise and in the podcast it was a huge huge amount of fun for me thank you so much see you guys see next ya. week thanks for joining us if you've learned something awesome today we'd love you to leave us a review on itunes or facebook so others can find our podcast too don't forget you can see the show notes in your podcast app or over at our website, artofdecluttering.com.au. So if there's anything you want more info on, check it out there. If you'd like to join our supporter community, you can do so over at patreon.com slash decluttering. We hope you have a great rest of your day and enjoy the freedom. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging.